How good is six foot seven, 17 year old Anton Slaev? Zach Benson is still sticking around with the Buffalo Sabres and we'll end things off with the go- a game on the line segment for the 2015 NHL drafts. All coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. And on today's episode, uh, we'll talk about a couple different kind of elements of scouting. First and foremost, we'll talk about a 2024 NHL draft eligible, six foot seven, 17 year old Anton Saliev playing top four minutes in the KHL. Um, we'll talk about how he's been doing so far, what we've seen from him, kind of give you an update on what the, the profile is for this type of player. Then in our second segment, we'll talk about Zach Benson, a 2023 NHL draft eligible who's still sticking around with the Buffalo Sabres. Um, pretty impressive for a 13th overall pick. Uh, and then we'll end things off with our game on the line segment for the 2015 NHL draft, where we make a starting six out of a player from each round of the um, 2015 draft and try to win a game seven Stanley Cup final. Um, but before we get into any of that, just make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about. Um, we always read our comments, leaving for us for our mailback segment, so it's always very much appreciated. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. So let's start things off with our breakdown of Anton Saliev's kind of season so far in the KHL. Um, I don't believe he's been sent down yet to the MHL or anything like that. He's really just been playing full-time in the KHL. Um, for a decently good team in the KHL, a team that's doing really well. Um, I believe they're coached by Sergei Fedorov. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I think so. Yeah. Uh, Sergei Fedorov so far has shown that he's not too shy to make to let players play at the um, players play at the KHL level, uh, which is a breath of fresh air given what we've seen pretty much every year for the past 10, 15 years uh, in the KHL. Um, just young players getting benched, uh, playing as 13th forwards, not seeing a minute of ice time. Um, we've seen a lot of that in recent years with Danilo Yurov, Vasily Putkolzin, um, and a lot, lot more, including Matt Vamichkov from last year's draft. So it's been very interesting to see Anton Salayev break the 15, 18 minute mark on some games. Like it's, it's, does, for me, the question is, does he kind of warrant that so far? I mean, we can talk about his profile in a sec. I just want to know from your point of view, really quickly, you know, do you think that this is a player who deserves this spot in a KHL lineup or is this too early in his development? I, I think my preliminary viewings uh, would indicate that he's being rushed a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, though uh, Torpedo is an organization that puts a lot of trust in young defensemen specifically, like the most used defenseman in the entire uh, KHL is Anton Salaya's teammate and very recent fourth round draft pick by the Montreal Canadiens, Bogdan Konyushkov, who is just 20 years old and is eating like 25 minutes a night in the KHL right now. So this is an organization that very clearly trusts young players uh, when they are able to prove themselves. And while my early viewings of Anton Salaev have been rather chaotic and mm-hmm. uh, inconsistent and uh, have left me with a lot of question marks, 
-hmm. I can also see why they are feeding this player this many minutes uh, this early. Uh, this mm -hmm. like Anton Salayev is a very mobile, hulking defenseman who has some very bright flashes in terms of his toolkit, but. I still have a, lot, have a lot of questions in terms of how he's able to put all his tools together into one really comprehensive toolkit. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so far, I mean, look, he hasn't been producing at the same level the last uh, couple weeks as he started the season, which mm -hmm. is to be expected when, when you start a season putting up almost a pointy game as a defenseman in the KHL. Yeah. But uh, I, I think that his play has actually improved since his production's dip. Because a lot of the production yeah. wasn't very projectable or overly impressive in my eyes, but his overall play is maturing now in the KHL. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think that extended time in the MHL would still be quite positive for his development at this stage. 100% fully agree. By the way, uh, while you're talking, I went and checked who the head coach of Torpedo is. Larry uh, I know. Yeah, I, I mistook Igor a Larianov. Russian legend. I, I mistook a, a Russian legend for another. But yeah, it's Igor Larionov. And what we've seen from him so far in the KHL, I mean, like you said, the top used player, uh, the top used defenseman in the entire KHL right now is a 20-year-old playing in the system, which is, it's a breath of fresh air and a lot of news to me, given what we've seen recently in the KHL. But yeah, I mean, what we see from Salayev is a player who's, you know, he's six foot seven, two hundred five pounds, but he moves like a small player. Like his his edge work, his his skating stride, the strength that he puts in each stride is extremely impressive. From what I've seen, he's a player who can close gaps better than a lot of players um, at any level right now, including the KHL. I mean, three four strides, and he's catching up with a guy on a breakaway. Like it, it's effortless to him, and it, it's it's really fun to see. Um, the tools themselves are also impressive. Like even though six foot seven, two hundred five pounds, he's not relying exclusively on his strength to win battles. We've seen that a lot with Russian players um, at, at junior levels and of this age. I mean, I, I think of Daniel Boot last year. Like that was a player yeah. who relied exclusively on his strength to win battles. And the the moment he got he, he got put into board battles against players who were much smaller than him, but have refined board battle technique and can get under opponents uh, under opponents weight and use leverage to win battles. He did not know what to do. He's getting out muscled and outworked and um, out battled in the corners by five foot 10 defensemen. Like it was, you don't see that from Silaev. He doesn't get caught off guard. He's able to use leverage to win battles. Um, and on top of that, I mean, the breakout skill is there. There, there are small details like fakes, um, you know, shoulder checks and stuff like that, that, separate him from the competition and allow him to create more space on the ice just by virtue of faking a pass one way and going the other, knowing that his teammates already there. He scans the ice really well as well. But other than that, it's a very raw profile. This is a player who needs a lot of work. Um, you know, in, in terms of his positioning in the defensive zone, it's rough at times. Yeah. Uh, in the offensive zone, he's basically magnetically stuck to the offensive blue line. He does not activate at all. He's not a player who's going to see and seek out opportunities to venture below the hash marks or even to the hash marks. He's stuck on that blue line. Um, I understand the fear. Like you, you, you want to be there for your team, you know, if, if ever a turnover happens. But like I said, he's got the stride to be able to get back and catch up with, with breakaway players and three to four strides. So I would like to see him be a bit more daring off the puck and move forward and shorten the ice in the offensive zone. Cause man, that would help his game so much because he's got a wicked shot. He's got some decent vision. Um, but if he's never in a position to exploit it to its full extent, I mean, it's not, it's going to go to waste. Um, but yeah, do, do you, do you see those as a development objectives for him or is he just the type of player where you have to steer him towards a specific direction to make him as effective as possible? 
I think in order to find that out, he's going to have to work quite a bit on his scanning habits and his processing of the game. I yeah. think once once he's able to put in some work on that front, then we will have a better idea of just what he can be molded into. Because mm -hmm. if he's able to really progress and 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 scan a lot more frequently at, at 200 feet in all three mm -hmm. zones and actually showing progress and how he processes the game and the and and how he uses the information that he collects on his scans to yeah. solve problems that are that are encroaching in on him uh because as of right now that, that's kind of my biggest worry and if that remains a problem, I would kind of want him to be a bit more conservative uh, because yeah. you have that extra safety net there where you're not necessarily risking uh, too, too much when you are uh, making those offensive plays. Mm -hmm. uh, but if he's able to really work on that and and calibrate uh, his risk assessment gauge when he does activate, if he learns to do so, then I think we have a, a far more interesting prospect here with a far higher upside uh, because you can actually trust him to make his own decisions and to to take calculated risks rather than just either like all or nothing it, which is kind of yeah. what I've seen with Salayev. Like I've seen some some games where he activates a ton, mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like a mental thing seemingly. Where there's certain games where he's like, okay, I'm going to play offense, and certain games where it's like, I'm just playing defense today. And he's been playing more defensively uh, since the start of the KHL season, which is another reason that his point totals have dropped. And I have mm -hmm. liked him more in that role as of right now. But in terms of long-term projection and development, it can go either way. I just, I really need to see some progress on the mental side of the game to feel comfortable projecting him as a potential offensive piece. Because mm -hmm. if the mental game doesn't quite catch up to the physical tools, I wouldn't really want him to be risking things for offensive opportunities at the NHL level either makes sense and real quick for in things off he's got basically the exact same frame as maverick lamoureux do you see them as players who are comparable or not yet stylistically very different i think mm -hmm. uh, lamoureux is a lot more composed and calm defensively i think he's positionally a lot more aware in his own zone mm -hmm. uh but i don't think he has the same raw like speed or power that salayev has and with Salayev, I see a player that has higher upside as a puck mover and a breakout artist than with a mover, for instance. 100% fully agreed. Um, so don't fall for those comparisons if you hear them here and there. They're absolutely not the same player. They're at opposite ends of each other stylistically. They just have the exact same frame. So that wraps things up for our first segment. Uh, now uh, we'll go ahead and talk about Zach Benson a bit and explain why he's sticking around, what he's doing so well in Buffalo, and what we could expect from him if he continues to stick around this season. But before we get into it, let's just a quick word from our sponsors over at Indeed. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same thing with your business team? If you're building a roster to win the league, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills and wasting a bunch of time on that when all you can do is just go on Indeed and have them do the work for you. Um, they have a new feature called Instant Match. Um, basically candidates that you invite to apply through instant match first are three times more likely to apply for your job than, than the candidates who only see it in search, uh, according to USND data. Um, and with instant match, basically the way it works is as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on indeed match exactly what you're looking for. 
uh, or as close as possible, then you can invite them to apply right away. So join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Um, it's a system that works. It got me my day job. It's a very effective way to go about uh, hiring people for your business. Um, and Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. So that's why with Indeed, you only play for quality applications that match exactly what you require for the job that you're looking to uh, fill. Um, and the minute that I've been talking to you, 16 hires were made at Indeed, according to Indeed Data Worldwide. Um, so just go to Indeed.com slash locked on to get started right now. Uh, look at you started with instant match and uh, set you up well on that side. So again, that's Indeed.com slash locked on. All right, so moving on to a uh, good subject, a player we both had fairly high in, their, in, our, in our draft rankings and ended up slipping to 13th overall for reasons we all know and love very well. Um, nothing's changed in the NHL seemingly because right now Zach Benson is playing, looking, and developing like an NHLer. Uh, the way that he's been playing right now in Buffalo. It's first and foremost, do you think he starts the year in Buffalo? And how insane would it be if that happens? At this point, I think he might get a nine game trial. Uh, yeah. I, I I still am a little bit skeptical that he's going to stick with the team, uh, mainly just because I think that Buffalo has been quite patient with their prospects. And yeah. I, I think that's a great strategy in mm -hmm. terms of development. And uh, that said, I think that Benson could be a very solid NHL or right out of the gate if yep. the Sabres kept him. And I think he'd, he'd do just fine. Uh, but I think that next season, going back to the to the WHL with the Wenatchee Wild, would uh, kind of just be the, the the cherry on top of his junior development. I think that <laughs> having that extra time to just fully lean into his skill and his production and his overall offensive game would be really really great and and kind of solidifying his projection as a skill guy primarily rather than perhaps falling into the trap of developing as a, him as a third liner because he has that intensity and that off puck game that's so strong. Uh, but I am just very happy to see how well he's been doing with Buffalo throughout training camp, throughout preseason, because mm -hmm. it's it's honestly quite vindicating with uh, just how much we seemingly were uh, yelling up at, at the clouds of just how good Zach Benson was for the entirety of last year. And yep. to see him flourishing now against professional competition is really nice to see. 100% fully agreed. Um, the only thing is I'd say the way he's playing right now is I'd find it very difficult as a coach or as a GM to justify not keeping him in the lineup. He played last preseason game on the same line as um, Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner, I believe, uh, <laughs> or was it Dylan Cousins? Either way, like he was playing on the first line. And through the first two periods, I believe it was minus three when he was on the ice for three goals against. But by the third period, he had um, he had scored a goal and was playing exceptional hockey. And that's one thing that very early in my career, um, through talking to um, to scouts and coaches and et cetera, one thing that came out when I was trying to figure out how to identify hockey sense, um, Greg Revac, a friend of the show, um, told me, watch for the players that um, perform better in the third period. Because usually what happens throughout the game, a player reads um and and figures out what the opponents that he's facing regularly are going to do and by the third period he already has a good idea of what they're going to do before they do it so a player that's smart enough when they get to the third period 
they're they're better than they were at the start of the game because they've evolved to adapt around opponents habits around their tools in order to make things work and that was exactly what we saw from Zach Benson in that period. And beyond that, I mean, uh, in the game against the uh, against the the Boston Bruins, he won a board battle single handedly against Matt Grizzlick, where Matt Grizzlick was trying to wait for his teammate to blow the zone so he could just kind of chip it over the uh, the offensive blue line and into his path. But Benson read that, um, jumped on Grizzlick as soon as possible, outmuscled him, pinned him against the boards, got the puck, and played it out. Like it just, and that all happened so quickly. Um, and people were surprised. We're like, wow, I really didn't expect that from Zach Benson. I'm just like, he's done this. Like he's been doing this like 20 times a game per game. Every, every time he hops on the ice for what, what was before the Winnipeg ice. And is now the Wenatchee wild. Um, this is nothing new. I mean, we're talking about a player who regularly performs these kinds of things on the four check. He's not a pure skill player. He's not a player who's just going to, you know, get pucks from the boards to the middle, make a sweet deke and, and a pass to the slot. Like he's able to do that. But Zach Benson is so much more than that. And I find it a very much a shame that, you know, NHL GMs and scouting teams allowed his size and lack of kind of explosive, impressive skating to get in the way of that. Cause you're looking at him right now and his skating is not a hindrance. His size is not a hindrance and he's doing everything he's able to do at the junior level at the pro level. So it's just, what's the disconnect there? Are we still going to keep having these debates and arguments every year about smaller players versus big ones? Cause in my mind, there's no way in, in there is no way in hell that Daniel boot is a better player than Zach Benson. And the fact that he was drafted before him, it, it just, it, there's a disconnect there, right? Yeah, I, I do I do think it's it's evolving and changing with time. Like yeah. go go back like ten years and a player like Zach Benson wouldn't have been drafted in the first round, uh, let alone top fifteen. So I do think there is a slow shift on that front. And you're seeing particular organizations that are kind of going against the current with that. So yeah. I'm thinking of, of teams like Minnesota and Carolina, Columbus, Buffalo that are starting to draft uh, in a sense that is a bit closer to how like the public sphere uh, would kind of approach the draft uh, as mm -hmm. a whole. Um, but yeah, look, like, like Zach Benson is a player who, as you said, is a terrific playmaker, tremendously engaged off puck. One of the mm -hmm. smartest players we've seen come through the draft in the last, what, three, four years. Yep. And he should not have dropped outside the top 10. I fully agree. This is a player I had ranked fifth overall in the same tier as Leo Carlson. Sure. And uh, I'm a massive fan of his. Now, at least for the time being, for the foreseeable future, I do still think it's going to be a, a mold of player that gets undervalued at the NHL yeah. draft. Uh, but I, I am seeing quite a big shift overall. Like, yeah. Going back to like the Debrinket draft, for instance, where he fell to like, like the mid second, and even just a couple of years later, Cole Caulfield went fifteenth overall. Right, mm -hmm. like like there is there is a shift happening on that front, uh, but yeah, it's definitely still apparent that skating and size are two of the most valued assets in the league, and those are the two things that Zach Benson lacks. Yeah, uh, quite the opposite for Anton Salayev, though, right? I mean, it's just indeed that, very those different are the players two things, here. Those are the two things he has, and he's probably going to get drafted top five. But we'll see how that works out. Um, that's been it for our second segment. Then we'll move on to our third segment, where we do our game on the line segment for the 2015 NHL draft. Right after these messages from our sponsors over at FanDuel. 
snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed, when they place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus in bonus bets, win or lose, that you can use on anything, ranging from player props to spreads to over and unders and far more. If you've been thinking of getting of joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Alrighty, so to close things off, we'll end things up with our Game on the Line segment for the 2015 NHL Draft. If you're new here and haven't heard of this yet, um, go check out the other ones. It's a pretty interesting project here where we basically pick a player from a different round um, and make a starting six lineup with that. Three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie. Uh, and basically try to win a Game 7 final um game, game seven stanley cup final against each other to see which team would probably win that we kind of break that down for you um this time we're going for the 2015 nhl draft we've been working our way backwards from 2023 um so let's start with our center here i don't think there's any doubt right i mean we're talking about a player who has a almost 300 point lead on the second leading scorer in this draft which is none other than Connor mcdavid mr generational um i mean there's really no one that competes here right what, what do you mean? There's so many players here, Hattie. We have to at least make a segment out of this argument that McDavid to deserves to be in this lineup. To be uh, fair, we're talking about one of the best draft gears in recent memory. Like this, oh, these first two ridiculous rounds draft insane. class. Yeah. Yeah, r- ridiculous draft class. It still like took us about how long to decide on the McDavid pick? Like maybe we, half a dec- second each? <laughs> we like, decided maybe... before we even started yeah. this that it was, was going to be unanimous. Like, yeah. We didn't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, McDavid's the, the the easy pick in this draft class, but it's a very very strong draft class, and I think that both of our lineups here are some of the stronger ones we've been able to to put together so far in this series. It's my because, favorite. Again, yeah, it's a very very strong draft class. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have also the same left winger for both teams. Yeah. Uh, very easy pick as well in the fifth round, Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, there were some other good options in that round, but uh, when Kirill Kaprizov is available to you, you pick him. And yep. uh, we, we both did just that. But we mm-hmm. had different choices for other wingers. So who did you go with there? I went with Sebastian Ajo at the right wing. Um, I think, you know, even though he's he's primarily a center, he can play the wing position really well. Um, I went with Ajo mainly because I needed a player who was going to be able to match the first two uh, in terms of processing speed. And I couldn't find a better option outside of the first round. Um, that would fit that perfectly. I mean, Sebastian Ajo reads the game at an advanced level. He's not particularly strong in any particular element. He's not the best shooter. He's not the best playmaker. He's not the best stick handler. In terms of puck skills, he's above average for sure, but nothing exceptional. Um, what makes Ajo so good is his reading of the game, his awareness, his positioning, all the small details he, do- he does right. And with two pure skill, pure dynamism players like McDavid and Kaprizov, you need that that kind of chess like element on that, on that lineup. And for me, Sebastian, I'll fist that to a T. I went with Rupe hints. So I also set, uh, spent my second round draft pick to finish up my forward core here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with hints over ha- Aho. I mean, it was a bit of a bit of a coin toss, but I think that Rupert hints uh, will add a lot of power and physicality and overall grit to that first line, mm-hmm. uh, which I think will really free up a lot of space in the offensive zone for Kirill Kaprizov and for Conor McDavid to kind of just work their magic. 
and he's also a potent dual threat scorer that will fit in so seamlessly on that line with all three players being elite playmakers and goal scorers. <laughs> and I'm very, very happy with that combination. I, while Hintz is not the same level of defensive player as Sebastian Ajo is, I think that he will complement the other two players a bit better in the offensive zone. And uh, again, this is a game seven OT first team to score type of uh, segment that we're doing and that at the setting that we're working in. And I think that Rupa Hintz gives me a slightly better chance of putting the puck in the net than Sebastian Ajo would. So that would justify my choice on this one. Makes sense for sure. Um, moving on to our decor, we have completely different defensemen and a, d- a different goaltender as well. Um, yeah. I went with a pairing of Marcus Nudivara and John Marino. Um, so Marino has been kind of a player I've been on and off on. I was a really big fan early on in my career. I've kind of soured on him a bit since then. But what's consistent with Marino is you get the same thing from him every game. And it's rush defending and end zone defending. He's really good at, at suppressing opposing chances, at generating um, more possession time for his team. And with a team with a front line of of McDavid, Aho, and Kaprizov, any moment you have the puck is a dangerous moment. So John Marino fits that kind of mold of a player who's going to suppress opposing chances very early and turn them around, make make a good breakout pass, and then your team's off with the puck. Um, very good possession player, which is what I'm looking for. And Marcus Nudivar is a bit more of the offensive element on that on that pairing. Um, he's not exceptional offensively, and obviously, I mean, when you when you have McDavid, Aho, and Kaprizov, you can afford to have less offensively leaning defensemen. Um, but Nudivar still has a decent shot from the point. He's able to uh, shoot through screens very well, which is something I'm looking for with this line. Um, and he cycles the puck really well. And when you have that combination of skills on the back end. Even though there's no high-end defender, um, high-end defenseman in terms of overall talent, there's no Norris candidate on on, on either of our defense pairs. But when you have the right set of skills to complement that first line, um, I'm fairly confident in what they can do together. I went with the current LA Kings pairing. Uh, mm-hmm. I went with, with Matt Roy and uh, Gavrikov as my mm-hmm. as my my back two. Uh, I think that they give me a decent amount of stability and and composure on that back line. Uh, Roy is really a stay-at-home defenseman that I can trust to be uh, overall effective and simple uh, defensively, who clears the, the, the slot decently well off puck. Uh, he closes his gaps all right. He's a perfectly average like number five defenseman in the NHL which mm-hmm. was totally fine for my seventh round draft pick here. I mean, I, I spent my big draft capital up front mm-hmm. and uh, Gavrikov is a bit better as a defenseman. He's a bit more interesting, a bit more of a two-way player. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've, I've really quite liked how he's developed, especially in the last like two years. I thought mm-hmm. he's, t- he's taking a really big jump. There's a reason he was a big deadline trade last season mm-hmm. and uh, LA got a very good, like a bang solid top four defenseman out of him so far. And mm-hmm. I'm happy to add him with the sixth round draft pick here. So I think he adds a lot of stability and overall a bit, a bit of backbone onto my team there because, uh, again, mm-hmm. the forward line is is dynamic on its own. I don't really need an offensive piece on, the, on my, back, my, my back line here. But I think mm-hmm. that adding that stability and overall the experience and composure that Roy and Gavrikov bring is quite positive for my lineup. But in goal, we have one final little showdown here of two uh, separate players. And I'm curious to hear your argument for your goaltender. Yeah, I went with Samuel Montembeau in goal. Um, 
the argument's pretty simple. Um, he was one of the rare shining lights on a Habs line on the Habs team last year that was fairly rough, and he's one of the only reasons the Habs didn't get a top four pick. Um, he played some exceptional hockey at times throughout the year, and I genuinely like the composure and kind of he's just unwavering in that he doesn't really seem affected by what's going on around him that can be a good thing and a bad thing i feel like it's more of a good thing with Montabo. um the thing is in this draft there wasn't many draft there weren't many goalie options that inspire confidence so um you know for it was basically between him aiden hill and dan vladosh which is just not not the most star-studded goalie lineup ever um but yeah talk me through yours I mean, I, I also kept my decision very simple, considering that mm-hmm. we are talking about winning a Game 7 Stanley Cup Final. I went with the very recent Cup winner with Aiden Hill in that. Uh, I kept kept it quite simple. Um, now, I don't think that Aiden Hill isn't necessarily a, a best in the caliber goaltender, but he got hot at the right moment in the playoffs, and I thought that he was playing some of his most consistent hockey as well, uh, of his career in the playoffs. I've liked him in flashes previously, and it seems like he finally got some stability last year and he took off in the playoffs. So in terms of a goaltender who I trust when the pressure is high, he is the one goaltender in this draft class that has proven to be able to do it at that level. And while I agree with you that Montembeau uh, was one of the very, very few bright spots for the Montreal Canadiens last season, I think I need another year or two of him proving himself to be able to kind of trump a goaltender that just won the cup. Makes sense for sure. Um, for me, this lineup is very tight. Um, yeah. I still believe slightly more in the defense pair and the fact that Aho is the, the right winger on this offensive line um, on my team. I think that that will just barely edge out the, the combination of skills that you've got on your team, mainly just because like I said, the, the, the complementary elements of having Marino and Nudivara on the ice at the same time as McDavid Aho and Kaprizov would be very interesting. Like the, this front five in, in total, I feel works really well together. The goalies a coin toss because goalies are goalies and you never know which one of the two is going to hit a hot streak. I mean, even though Aiden Hill just won the cup, he, he hit the the first the first consistent streak I've ever seen from Aiden yeah. Hill. So it's just it's it's really a coin toss. I don't think we even need to discuss goaltenders in this conversation. But give me the argument for your team. I think that my defense pairing is a lot more solid and reliable than yours is. Like mm-hmm. Nudivara is injured a lot and defensively is a bit bit more iffy. And while I do really like John Marino's uh, transition defending, I am not quite as convinced by his in-zone defending. Whereas Gavrikov is one of the most solid in-zone defenders in the league, and he, there's a reason that LA paid a pretty big price to acquire him in, a couple months ago. And Matt Roy, again, is just very, very simple, very solid. The transition burden is going to fall in the forwards, but I have McDavid on the ice. So it doesn't really matter to me. And I think that I have a bit more balance in terms of that offensive defense. Whereas for you, I think your best defensive player is actually Sebastian Ajo. uh, Whereas I went more defense with my actual defensive pairing in order to go with the all-out offensive Rupe Hintz, McDavid, and Kaprizov. 
makes sense for sure. Um, but that wraps things up for today's episode. Very, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us a comment letting us know which one of our two teams would win. And if you have any questions, leave them in the comments below as well. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out uh, Locked On Sports Today. They've got all your updates and, and news about what's going on in sports. And make sure to tune in for our next episode as we continue our prospects talk. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.